Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm on the board of Team DC. I've played and loved sports my entire life, and I've played with the DC Furies and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC sports member leagues, including the DC GFFL, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, Kara Bowling, and recently the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. And I also do a little drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome, everyone. Laura and Gabe here. It's November 30th, and you're listening to episode 24 of Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns, and this week, it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, we'll discuss gay holiday specials. For our conversation on all things sports, we'll remember the life of sports legend Diego Maradona. And for the intersection of sports and queer, we'll discuss new designs for Rainbow Laces 2020. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC partner, Capital Pride Alliance. Before we get into our topics, we always like to give you an update on Team DC. Events remain on hold because of COVID restrictions, but Team DC has added a few new social media features, including Feature Fridays, where we post about people who participate in the various member clubs of Team DC, and Spotlight Sunday, which features posts about LGBTQ athletes. Make sure to follow Team DC at Team DC LGBT on Facebook, and at Team DC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Also, Team DC has partnered with Nelly's Sports Bar for an initiative called Heroes for Heroes to provide free lunch to DC essential workers. Our November lunch went to workers of the DC Board of Elections. It was sponsored by Team DC and member clubs Adventuring, DC Strokes, Washington DC Gay Basketball League, Gay Hockey DC, and Lambda Links. If you or your organization want to participate in future Heroes for Heroes lunches, Team DC is collecting donations of $50 or more, and you can contact Brent Miner at brent at teamdc.org for more details. Finally, Team DC board elections are coming up in January. The positions up for election are president, outreach, marketing, social media, fundraising, and external relations. To learn more about Team DC and its board, visit teamdc.org. And if you're interested in running, please contact Les Johnson at Less at teamdc.org for more information. Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Taking the extra few seconds to hit those buttons or type a quick review means a lot to help us get the word out. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening in. With that, here's Gabe with our first topic in this week's trip under the bleachers. All right, for my topic of all things queer, it's time to get ready for the most wonderful time of the year. The cold weather and COVID blues can't get us down because there are so many LGBT holiday specials to binge. Many different artists will be streaming events like Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square and the Queen of Christmas herself, Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Special. We can also p- support our favorite drag entertainers. RuPaul's Drag Race alum, Ben De La Creme, and winner, Jinx Monsoon, have released a trailer for their Jinx and De La Holiday special. And Seattle and P-Town's insanely funny Dina Martina will also be streaming a holiday show. 
The Hallmark Channel released their first movie featuring an LGBT storyline with Mean Girls Out star Jonathan Bennett. Hulu will be dropping Happiest Season starting Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, and Dan Levy. Lifetime is getting in on the LGBT action with The Christmas Setup starring Ben Lewis and his real-life husband, Blake Lee, Ellen Wong, and Fran Drescher. Hooray for more LGBT representation on TV and in commercials. Follows fails, there's always peanuts in the classic animated and stop motion films. I'm wondering how long it's going to be before they make a claymation rainbow spectacular. All right, Laura, are you catching in on any of the uh, LGBT holiday Christmas spectacular uh, events that are going on and that just started? <laughs> all right. First of all, you may be a little young, but <laughs> back in my day, there was this claymation special called The Year Without a Santa Claus, <laughs> which was my favorite ever claymation holiday special and it featured this wonderful dance number with characters the heat miser and the oh, yeah. cold, cold miser cold they miser. were queer i mean they were <laughs> the queerest of queer they were wonderful and outstanding fabulous wigs um, so let's not pretend that we haven't had some I, i'm pretty sure that that little um dentist wannabe elf might have also been a little queer but uh, so we've already had some queer characters in claymation but i agree it is it is high time that we get an openly gay out character um in a claymation film or maybe in a peanuts special so let's uh let's hope somebody gets uh, on that soon <laughs> well like andrew my boyfriend every time he puts a santa hat on i say he looks like little chris kringle little redheaded like santa guy from the claymation oh. thing <laughs> yeah, that's a cute little guy because he's got I'm his little like... beard on like because of winter and i'm just like you look like the like chris kringle <laughs> that feels mean i don't know <laughs> but it's cute i i uh i really i love that um the i think it's the rudolph special with the little dentist the little elf that wants to be a dentist i think his name was herbie or herbie Obie yeah. or something and uh he i love that one that one's that's a good one but the year without a santa claus is uh pretty spectacular i highly recommend everybody goes to check out um that sing and dance number by the heat miser and the cold miser also like that show is amazing because it's like the whole storyline is that Santa gets sick and so Mrs. Santa does all the work to like take over so that Christmas doesn't have to be canceled and at the last minute Santa just like hops out of bed and is like no I'm gonna do it and takes all the credit it's it's uh it's, you know it's something that is something but I'll tell you this I uh it's you know Thanksgiving weekend and I watched the Christmas setup. No, that's a lie. I watched Happiest Season today, starring uh, the girl from the vampire movies and uh, <laughs> Dan Levy. <laughs> and Dan Levy, yeah. And it was delightful. I mean, I mean they're cheesy you know. <laughs> movies. But... No, it was actually, it was definitely not like a Hallmark movie. It wasn't, it didn't have that schmaltzy like holiday movie feel it was more of a like a rom-com i would say like um, the, the girl the goes into was like, the big city yeah the, the, well, the, it, no i mean it was set in pittsburgh like it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh it was cute it had um mary steenburgen whose name i can't pronounce but who i think is great you know who i'm talking about she's married to i think ted danson i think yeah 
She's really great. She like played the mom whose name was Tippy. <laughs> and I, I, it was a good character. Okay. Um, yeah, it was actually, I definitely think that was good. Totally worth watching. I might actually just watch it again. And Dan Levy had a very small role in the movie, but he was perfect. Like every line that he delivered in that movie was a hundred percent comedy and perfection. Are you going to watch any concerts? Or have you been watching any concerts? Uh, I haven't yet. I'll definitely watch um, Dolly because I'll watch anything Dolly does. I hate the song All I Want for Christmas is You, so I will not be watching anything that Mariah Carey does at the holiday What are you? Season. What is wrong with you? I hate that song. My little sister tortured me that, with that song. That gets Mariah Carey... I tell you, I just remember coming home from college for Christmas and my little sister was in high school and she had that CD and she just played that song on a loop. And I was like, I tried to hide that CD everywhere. Like it was just torture. And then I feel oh, like that song just follows me year can, round. It comes on all the time. I just you can play it. You can play that song at any time of the year and people will sing it like I've seen it played. I think they played it at Uproar one time in like July and people were yeah. singing along with it. Like that doesn't make it a good song. It's same a great thing, song. Same thing is true about Sweet Caroline. It's still a terrible song. Like It buys it buys Mariah Carey gets a mansion every year during Christmas because of that song. Yeah, I'm aware that it's commercially like smart for her, but it doesn't make it a good song. And it's <laughs> honestly, it's the most annoying thing. It just it tortures me. I feel like it follows me. I can't with that song. I wish she would put out a new Christmas song so that I could just get that one erased from the zeitgeist. Cause it uh, really she, bothers what's me. the other one? The, the, Hey Sam, the, 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 like the cheerleading sounding one. I, I'm not it's familiar. Got a whole bunch. No, I really, for my Christmas music, I like to go with mostly Jewish performers. That's in Christmas got, songs. Yeah. You've got your yeah. Wayne. <laughs> No, you've got your Neil Diamond Christmas album. You've got your Barbara Streisand Christmas Barbara, yeah. album. You've got who else? There's a oh Bob Dylan has a Christmas album. We made a we made a playlist one time of like um, Jewish artists singing Christmas songs. Yeah, they're some <laughs> of the best. I mean, Barbara Streisand's Jingle Bells is probably the best Christmas song ever recorded. So I recommend. That. Is that the one where she's on crack, where it's like super fast? Yeah. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yeah, I used to play. I used to. I used to work at the Gap, and we would hear it like when we get the dreaded Christmas CD. Yeah. And they would play it like every other hour. It's hard, but yeah, no, I. Oh, I also really enjoy the. What do they call it? Not the Mupp. Yeah, the Muppets Christmas. The Muppets. Yeah. Have a good Christmas album. Yeah, I mean, in any event back to the topic of tv i'm definitely excited i'm gonna watch i'm gonna try to watch a lot of this um stuff and by the way spoiler but uh ben de la creme and and jinxie also make a cameo in uh happiest season oh really yes so they show up there as well uh I'm excited for their holiday special. Like they, I've I've seen two of them that they've done at the 9:30 club when we could go do things, yeah. um, and they were actually really good. They were really funny. Yeah. Uh, Dina Martina is one performer that I love, and I actually saw her Christmas. Um, do you know Dina Martina? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw her Christmas show in New York a couple years ago, and it's just the most ridiculous nonsense. Like for people who don't know who, like just 
people just go Google Dina Martina and watch a YouTube video of her insane comedy. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's just ridiculous. And she does have a holiday album, too. Well, there you the go. is her President's Day song. Well, I say even if they're not great, we have to support the LGBT content that is starting to get made because, you know, you and I have complained often about the lack of good LGBT content. And like the only way you convince people to make more of the content is if people watch the content. So we're going to watch it, whether it's great or not. But I'm here to tell you that Happiest Season was good enough that I think I'll watch it again. Like, okay. it actually, it was great. Victor Garber is in it, who I love. He's an out gay guy. He was um, in Alias. And he shows up in a lot of TV shows. He's really great. <laughs> he was in it. It's a, it's a really good cast. It's a really good. Uh, I give it, you know, two thumbs up. Solid two thumbs up on a Christmas movie. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's good to see. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of like LGBT characters in even commercials. I know. Like, Etsy, I've noticed that recently like, too. Like Starbucks. I, I was like, what? It see, it feels weird, honestly. <laughs> how many like? But I mean, it's great. Like, I hopefully like eventually I'll stop even noticing it. It'll become so normalized that I won't even notice it. But yeah, no. I've definitely noticed recently a dramatic uptick in the amount of just casual uh, canoodling of gay couples as showing up <laughs> in, uh, in commercials for all kinds of random things. And I say hallelujah. It's like, yay. Yeah, for sure. Let's go over to my sports topic. All right. Tell me what you got. All right. Now for my sports topic for this week. The sports world and soccer fans were stunned on Wednesday when news broke that football legend Diego Maradona had died of a heart attack at his home in Argentina. In his international career, Maradona had 91 caps and scored 34 goals and played in four World Cups. He captained Argentina's team in the 1986 World Cup, which they ended up winning, and was also awarded the Golden Ball for Best Player of the Tournament. The 1986 World Cup is also where Maradona scored his controversial hand of God goal against England. He was also the first player to set the world record for transfer fees twice. Maradona left competitive play to manage and coach several club teams and Argentina's national team. In 2000, he was named FIFA's co-player of the century with Pele. Maradona was lauded as the number one player in London-based paper, The Times, the 10 greatest World Cup players of all time. And a 2002 FIFA poll named one of his goals the best goal in World Cup history. Maradona had a troubling history at the end of his career. He struggled with addiction and mental health issues throughout his life. He was also able to use his fame and stardom to highlight social issues in sports around the world. Diego Maradona was buried after lying in state at La Casa Rosada, which is Argentina's presidential palace. Tributes flooded from players and sports fans all over the world. All right, Laura, so have you heard of Maradona or any of his, uh, his controversial goal or any of his history? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely familiar. Um... It's like one of those things where I don't follow men's soccer that much. And I basically, he's one of the two names that I know. They along throw out. Like. <laughs> um, but, and you know, he's like, you know, he's like the Michael Jordan, right. Of uh, international soccer. International so like, soccer. it's like when somebody, when somebody of that level of stature um, dies, it rocks, you know, the sports world. So this was obviously a really big deal. Not surprisingly as well, it should be. Um, he was incredibly talented and um, 
devoted to his sport and to social issues and to spreading sport and good things about sport around the world. Um, so he's somebody who definitely deserves to be remembered well and to be his life to be celebrated. Um, he was too, too young um, to die. It was definitely surprising. Also, it's hard to think about somebody um, with his physical prowess dying of a heart attack. Although, you know, we often see that people who struggle with addiction, um, that's something that they can suffer from later in life. Um, so, you know, it's obviously sad. All it's like a good opportunity to stop and remember um, some of the amazing highlights of his career, of which he had many. Yeah, I was looking at um, even some of the social issues, like the the controversy between like the the Hannah God goal, which if people haven't seen that, I mean, it was this crazy, insane goal where he even admits, yeah, he used his hand, but because there was no instant replay back then, they just like awarded it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Um, and then like his other amazing goal, like afterwards, but there was a lot of political, I mean, this is 86. It was what, four years, maybe ish after the Falklands war in Argentina and England were still a little frosty. So he was kind <laughs> of like, yeah, I called that goal. I did it. You know what? And guess what? It's payback for taking our islands, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Um, like, did you ooh. watch you did you watch the latest season of the crowd and the coverage of the Falkland uh yeah yeah <laughs> oh man everybody should also go watch the latest season of the crowd it's pretty of the crowd yeah. yeah it was it was kind of funny because I was like oh <laughs> like yeah we're gonna get back on the court or we're gonna get back on the pitch yeah <laughs> take that England well, you know, I, it's, it is though one of these things, like sometimes you have a couple of weird, like controversies in your career. It does not take away from the fact that, uh, you know, he was one of the best soccer players of all times. And I was watching coverage of the funeral and it was insane. Like people were, his casket was lying in state at, you know, the presidential palace and Throngs of people were throwing jerseys at his casket yeah, and security imagine. couldn't handle people. It was insane. And then one thing I was thinking, I was like, oh no, like people wear masks. Like it's COVID. <laughs> there was like thousands True. of people on the streets and they were like watching this procession. It was insane. Like the All Blacks did a haka in remembrance of him and they laid down a jersey, an All Blacks jersey with a number 10 in his name on the center of the pitch before they played Argentina, which I thought was like a moving tribute, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of sports, you know, fans from all over the world and different sports even that are just, you know, taking this to heart and saying, Hey, this is, this guy was great. He was a legend. Yeah. A sad, uh, sad moment for sports fans. But like I said, it's also, it's times like this that we get to stop and kind of reminisce and remember some of these amazing things. There are very few people who, um, would have that level of impact, you know, that are gonna, um, you know, you're gonna feel that loss across so many, uh, boundaries, you know, but the sort of, the sport of soccer is, you know, it's universal. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it is, I'm glad that you brought this up. I'm glad that we're remembering him because he's a legend. All right. So now for my topic in the intersection of sports and queer, we're going to be talking about the new designs for Stonewall's Rainbow Laces campaign. 
Stonewall is an LGBT rights charity based in London and for the past eight years has launched their Rainbow Laces campaign, which has championed LGBTQ plus inclusion in sport. For 2020, Stonewall will focus on uplifting queer athletes of color and sharing their stories of inclusive sports. Along with the original rainbow design, Stonewall has released six new laces, which designs represent the bi, lesbian, pan, ace, non-binary, and transgender communities. Last year's Rainbow Laces campaign reached over 12 million sports fans. The campaign is backed by many major sports organizations across the pond, including the Premier League, the Football Association, the Rugby Football Union, the England and Wales Cricket Board, the Professional Darts Corporation, and the British Horse Racing Authority. Rainbow Laces Day will be celebrated around the world on December 9th. All right, Laura, so have you heard of Rainbow Laces, and do you have your set yet? I have, and I I actually, I have a couple of sets, but, um, you know, it's funny. I actually tried really hard to hook up our local uh, rugby team to get Rainbow Laces for the whole club for Pride Night Out last year, which ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it proved surprisingly difficult. I, uh, I hope that some American you know, sports person links up with Stonewall and cause I, you know, I don't necessarily want somebody to steal the idea and start their own over here. I think I would just, I, I but I hope it expands um, into the United States because, you know, American football is not on board with this yet, but uh, yeah. you know, rugby is a great crossover. We have professional rugby here now. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to start seeing a little bit of a crossover I'm glad to see that they're expanding their uh, cache of laces to include all these other uh, colors and celebrations. I do think it's going to get hard and confusing because you try to get like the, for the professional sports teams, if they try to have a pride night, like, what are you going to do? Have each player wear a different kind, maybe? I don't know. Um, Yeah. How does this work? Like, how would it go? But But it's good that they have them all available, you know, for anybody who wants to, um, you know, get their laces um, I will say I, you can also get rainbow laces that are not as strong um, to use in just your regular shoes. <laughs> I have a couple of pairs of just regular rainbow laces that I use in my, in my chucks that uh, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily trust to use to lace up cleats for a rugby game, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know uh, yeah, no, it's a really cool campaign. It's been going on for a while and I'm excited to see it expanding. Yeah, I mean, when I was reading some of the figures that 12 million viewers were able to see uh, athletes wearing the laces and, you know, it's just something small that these professionals are doing. Is Yeah, Sean Doolittle. And, yeah. you know, where he wore, you know, his shoes and then they had the, the rainbow and then they had like the colors for the, the transgender flag. Yeah, uh, he painted just, those himself. Yeah. So, yeah, just so like that's small. the thing. And like, you know, this movement, which, you know, would be a really great addition here in the United States because so many sports franchises here are celebrating pride nights. Now having this would be a really good thing. I mean, we have seen, you know, the DC United um, made special jerseys for their pride night. A lot of the teams are starting to do it on their own, make their own jerseys with rainbows or whatever to have their team wear on their pride night, which is great. Um, but I also really like the Rainbow Laces campaign just because it's more universal. You know, like you said, yeah. 12 million sports fans. 
I mean, it'd be once a great, you get a, soccer and rugby involved in Europe, you, you know, you're going <laughs> to reach a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it'd be more. good to see something <laughs> across the board where everybody unites together. Um, you know, we see the NBA, the NFL, see everyone doing this. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Hopefully we can hope one day. Yeah. And I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's very cool what all the individual teams do, like with whatever it is that they do, whether they do a jersey or a patch or whatever. But it also is very cool if there's something that everybody can do that's the same, because then you you just see this like unifying celebration, which is really cool. So what was really cool about this year is that, I mean, every year they kind of pick a, a different kind of topic of what they want to address. And because of just everything that's been going on in the U.S. and around the world, as far as like race relations and stuff, they want to focus on queer athletes of color and their stories of being included in sports, which I thought was really powerful and really cool. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm excited uh, to see this campaign continue and grow and we will continue to keep tabs on what other good ideas they come up with. (laughs) Well, um, Gabe, it's been great as always catching up on you. We should wish everybody a happy belated Thanksgiving. Um, It was a different kind of Thanksgiving than I think most people are used to, but here in DC, it was sunny and warm and it was a really beautiful day. So I know I really enjoyed that and I trust that you did. A lot of outdoor dinners, which was great. (laughs) I had dinner on my patio with a couple of friends um and you know i was a little worried if the weather was going to hold out and it turned out to be absolutely magnificent so happy thanksgiving everyone and uh gabe and i have a couple more weeks left uh to wrap up this season one so we're you know thankful for everybody who's been listening and uh stick with us for a couple more weeks Yeah, we'll see what surprises we bring. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of all things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will share our interview with Team DC partner, Capital Pride Alliance. Welcome back to Under the Bleachers. Uh, We're here today with Ryan Boss from Capital Pride Alliance. Hi, Ryan. Hello there. Thanks for being with us. Ryan, for anybody who doesn't know, can you give us your quick sort of elevator summary of what uh, Capital Pride Alliance is and what you guys do? Uh, Sure. Uh, So Capital Pride Alliance was formed in 2008 from a group of volunteers uh, from the traditional annual uh, event that at that time was organized uh, by Whitman Walker Clinic, which is now Whitman Walker Health. And uh, they basically put together a proposal to take over um, the responsibility of putting on our annual parade and festival and celebration every year. And so back in 2018, we celebrated our 10th anniversary. And over the years, uh, when I came on board in 2012, uh, in the light of progress in our um, LGBTQ plus community, we realized uh, there's pride for many every day of the year that we need to uh, be proud of who we are. We need to encourage people to come out. We need to support each other and we need to have a voice and a platform every day of the year, not just in June. So with that, uh, we produce the annual events such as Pride the Parade and Pride Festival 
And we have also identified other ways um, through supporting the many different organizations such as Team DC and others in the work that they do to um, elevate our voices. And we're all really appreciative for everything that CPA does. Um, I know that this year's Pride theme was hashtag still we. Can you tell us what that theme was all about and how or why CPA chose the theme? Yeah, oddly, uh, well, every year, um, typically in November, December, we begin to do work groups and focus groups discussing the theme and uh, did the same thing in 2019. And at that time, we had no idea about COVID, but we settled on this idea of a, more of this campaign versus a sort of a, a kitschy theme. Um, so we went with hashtag still we, uh, really to underscore that um, despite all the progress and everything, still we must fight. Um, despite um, being um, those forces continuing to push us down or try to take away our rights, still we persevere. So still really trying to create, and still we vote. And that's definitely where we've uh, been these last few weeks is um, really engaging our community with our campaign, still we vote. Uh, awesome. So um, so yeah, so we never knew that with COVID, how sort of reticent uh, hashtag still we would um would mean, and um, I, I, I would argue, well not argue, but I would, uh, I, would, I would take a gander that will likely keep that campaign through 2021, not knowing obviously what we will be able to do yet. Okay, well, I think hashtag still we, it was pretty cool idea that didn't quite get to come to fruition. So if I had a vote, I would say, let's give it another year and see what people come up with. Gabe, if you were going to fill in the still we, what would be your hashtag still we? Um, still we, still we, we fight, still we go with the struggle and try to, you know, make our voices heard because, hey, we're still being attacked and it's 2020. <laughs> All right. I think I want to go with still we shine because we're pretty awesome, too. And uh, while, yes, we do fight, we need to remember that we're our community is also still pretty awesome. So I like that one. All right. (laughs) All right. So this year, I know we were a little bummed because of covid and we couldn't have pride in the traditional way. But I know that uh, CPA did some really cool alternative events. Can you talk about the caravans and stuff that um, happened this year? Yeah, I mean, I will say the the silver lining and and some of what we've been going through is it definitely does force uh, folks to really think differently. And without having the parade and festival, which are two huge platforms for our community to be seen and to be heard, we really uh, um, thought about how we can um, still do that, but in different ways. So we first actually came up with a program, uh, actually a new web series called uh, Pride in the City. Uh, we've done two episodes thus far, um, and uh, the first one allowing the, the, the entertainers that would normally have performed at Pride, giving them an opportunity to perform. Um, our partner Hamilton um, Live um, allowed us to use their space within COVID um, standards and the restrictions. Um, and we've also done a, a comedian one, which that was exciting for us because traditionally at our Pride, we haven't really engaged with um, LGBT um, comedy or comedians. So this really was an exciting opportunity to really bring um, a platform um, for them to to be seen. Uh, from there, we actually, yes, we did this thing called the Out Brigade, uh, which we hope to do every 
every October in uh, combination with National Coming Out Day. Uh, and it was an opportunity for local community members, organizations to deck out their cars. And we drove through, um, we tried to get through all eight wards. So we were a little behind. So I think we missed one or two, uh, but we got through parts of the city that normally pride doesn't get to, um, um, to be um, spread. So that was actually a really exciting opportunity. Um, we had about, in this first year, we had about uh, 40 vehicles participate. And uh, we are excited to hopefully make this an annual event. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. the, the trolley stopped outside my house. So that was, uh, that was fun. Um, and I was actually hosting a couple, a small group of friends that we were doing some socially distanced uh, get out the vote letter writing on my patio. And my friend's four-year-old was here and he was super excited about the pride mobile <laughs> and someone from one of the cars gave him some rainbow swag. So he is oh, yeah. very excited about that. Um, Ryan, you mentioned this web series and, um, that sounds really great. Are those, um, were those recorded so that people who missed them when they were aired could still see them or... Yeah, they, um, they're um, recorded and they're available on our YouTube channel, um, Capital Pride DC. Great. And uh, we are looking to actually uh, to give folks here listening um, a sneak peek and something that we are trying to put together in the future um, is possibly coming up with um, a Pride 365 TV, uh, which will actually be a collection of not just um, 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 programs produced by Capital Pride, but also programs produced by other LGBTQ organizations or individuals. So an opportunity to really sort of collect and connect people to the, the, the programming and the great work of our community. Um, Ryan, I think, every, I think it's safe to assume that everybody listening is familiar with the Capital Pride celebration that happens every year, but I know that uh, CPA celebrates a number of smaller pride events throughout the throughout the year to help other um, people who might not participate in the big one to um, participate in pride. Can you tell us about some of those some of those other events? Uh, definitely. So we're, I think we're fortunate here in the nation's capital. We have a variety of organizations that um, have committed themselves to providing pride experiences for our community members. Uh, so we've partnered with these organizations and um, things uh, such as Center for Black Equity, who does um, DC Black Pride, uh, the Latino GLBT History Project that does DC Latinx Pride. Uh, we Silver Pride is a new program that has begun in the last few years with Whitman Walker Health. We have Youth Pride, Youth Pride from Youth Pride Alliance, and then we also um, produce um, Capital Trans Pride and um, API Pride, which is also something new. So these are all um, really our pride in DC really begins in early May uh, and goes through June. Uh, and these really provide opportunities for people to, um, to really experience pride in different ways. Uh, many of these other prides provide a lot of educational workshops, engagement opportunities to really learn about our different communities, um, especially when many of our communities are the most more marginalized, um, such as our um, trans women of color. So really having these opportunities to educate not just the greater community, but also provide safe spaces um, for those in community um, to, to, to celebrate and feel safe. 
Thanks for sharing. Um, that was a good segue into my next question, which is, um, as we all know, this year we've had, uh, there's been a lot of focus and a lot of attention on racial justice issues and not nearly enough attention, but increased attention on the plight of black trans women and the epidemic of murders of black trans women. Can you tell us a little bit about what CPA has been doing this year in response to sort of all of that? Though we weren't able to celebrate the traditional pride events uh, this year, um, we definitely heard, heard it, heeded a responsibility to, um, to really foster and to support the movements that were happening around um, racial justice and economic justice. And not just Capital Pride Alliance, but many organizations and businesses uh, have been challenged to really look at their own systems and systems of oppression, um, structures in place that maybe have not allowed certain voices to be heard. So that's something that we have done at Capital Pride Alliance is really taken a step back to ask questions, to uh, begin really diving into some hard conversations. So not only is there work to do within our own organizations, but obviously we need to do work in our communities. So unless our organizations uh, can um, be truly um, safe, supportive and spaces that are diverse, we can't expect to be able to do the work that's needed in the greater community. Um, traditionally, uh, Pride organizations have been focused on organizing our big events, such as the Pride and Festival. And over the years, we've realized the platform and the voice that Pride has. And the expectation has been, how can we better maximize that platform and that voice? So that's something else that I think over these past several months uh, we've really been challenging ourselves on is how can we use the platform of pride to really acknowledge, support, and move forward um, the intersections of our community. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, that helps us, um, helps our communities. All right, so I know during a normal year, a non-COVID year, CPA also does a bunch of other different events throughout the year. I know there used to be like the, the heat wave, there was... Uh, music in the night and all these other programs. Can you talk a little bit about that, about all the different uh, different events throughout the year on a good year? <laughs> sure. Um, and that's actually, as we begin to map out 2021, we're trying to obviously uh, structure things in a way that uh, can we can do things within a COVID space, uh, but then also have hope that if we're able to gather in larger numbers that we're able to ramp up and still be able to do some more of the traditional things. But that being said, you know, we've sort of bookended our years with the events that uh, you had mentioned. We kick things off with the Pride Reveal every year, which typically happens in the first week of February. And it's not only the time where we reveal the quote unquote theme um, for Pride that year, but it's really, uh, the intent is to really uh, sort of welcome and acknowledge the entire LGBTQ community in, in the nation's capital and highlight some things that are happening. You know, for example, a few years ago, we did a bid to host um, gay games um, that unfortunately uh, we did not win, though we should have. Uh, that was like an opportunity to really showcase um, some of the, that big endeavor 
um, that our community was engaged in. So it's not necessarily the pride reveal about um, the pride celebration, it's really pride in the general sense of our community and the great work. Uh, in addition, um, all those pride events that happen in May and June, uh, supporting those. And then we typically have um, in the fall, we've had our music of the night, like you indicated, that is one of uh, my favorite events and very sad that we weren't able to do it this year, but maybe it'll become a pride in the city episode um, in this COVID space. And, uh, and then this year, um, we're uh, hoping to cap off something that sort of brings in the pride, I mean, the holiday heat wave, and maybe uh, what we now have is the Capital Pride Honors, where we acknowledge some, some great work here in the community. And obviously, this has been a, a very challenging year, and I think it's important that we, we really highlight uh, um, individuals and some organizations that really have um, pushed through this year uh, and have been um, exceptional. Well, those are really cool. And if somebody wants to get involved in volunteering or wants to get involved with TPA, how would they do that? Just go to capitalpride.org slash volunteer. And we, uh, there's opportunities to be engaged in our production team all year round. Uh, we have a great group of um, volunteer leadership and, uh, and there's also the opportunities to get involved in the board as well. So um, capitalpride.org slash volunteer. And if people wanted to make a monetary donation, they can find that on your website as well. Yep, capitalpride.org slash donate. Awesome. <laughs> we always got to get a plug in there for that because um, that. one that. of the one of these years, I believe you're going to um, bring share to Capital Pride. So we're just going to keep making <laughs> sure that you get money so that in case, you know, so she one needs, day <laughs> in case she needs like some kind of special uh, package or something. <laughs> people definitely have their their ones that they keep fighting for every year. <laughs> hey, she's going to Arizona this week. I mean, as some as a as a member of the community of a certain age, I'm never going to stop fighting for share. But, <laughs> but at some point, I'm afraid that it's going to become impossible for share to join us anymore. So we got we got to get on that. Um, I know that CPA and Team DC have had a ton of opportunities to work together. And I know that CPA works with a bunch of other organizations. Can you tell us why it's important to CPA to partner with other local LGBTQ focused organizations? Yeah, I think ultimately that is the underlining purpose of the organization. The parade and the festival in essence are two major networking events that bring our community orgs and our community members together. And it's likely the largest um, event and activity where folks are in the same space uh, um, at, at any point of the year. So uh, for us working with our local organizations it, throughout the year is just an extension of that. So um, whether that be promoting events through our community calendar, really creating a central network for people to get information uh, whether that be creating different fundraising opportunities that not only support the assurance that we can continue to have the Pride events every year, but that we can also ensure that our service organizations are able to do the work that they do every year. So Pride ultimately is an extension of the work of our community and our community orgs. If we didn't have them, there wouldn't be a Pride. So uh, that's why it's important. And you may or may not have been noticing, but over the, the past year, we've been very intentional about 
uh, really um, strengthening our partnership with the, the DC Center uh, for the LGBT community. All right, Ryan. So we know that you've, uh, we've talked about it before, that you've, you've played with some of the Team DC member clubs. Um, for you personally, why do you think it's important to have these organizations that identify as LGBTQ specific, whether it be a LGBTQ plus um, club or sports team? It, it provides another outlet for folks to get connected. Uh, when I moved out here to the east, I moved um, outside Baltimore, uh, where I worked at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and was fortunate to begin to develop a network of friends from Baltimore, but then we all kind of slowly migrated to DC. <laughs> and I was ultimately looking for, you know, some networks. And honestly, the first place that I got connected was actually through one of our first bids for gay games. Uh, and I met um, um, Brent Miner. Um, who is the executive director for Team DC and <laughs> was really my entree into the sports community in DC. And from there, I joined CAPS, the Chesapeake and Potomac Softball League. Um, and we started a team that was based with people in Baltimore to kind of bring our those communities together. And uh, eventually got involved in DCAC because I was wanting to do my first triathlon with a friend and I knew there was no way I would swim on my own. <laughs> so uh, I joined the team to, you know, force that exercise, but it turned out to be a great opportunity to meet some great people. So, uh, so I think that's why it's important. Um, we need many different um, sort of spaces for people to, 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 to connect with people um, and to feel safe. So, um, and, and we have one of the largest sports communities in the country. So we absolutely do. Um, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight. This has been a real pleasure and I hope we get to do it again soon. Before we let you go, can you remind everybody um, what your website is and do you have any social media handles you want to share? I sure can. Um, so our website is capitalpride.org. Um, our standard social media handle is Capital Pride DC. And uh, we encourage folks to get engaged, whether as a donor, as a volunteer. Ultimately, Pride is for the community, and it's a place for the community to be engaged. So um, we want to thank everyone for obviously sticking through this year, um, and let's continue to be a support for each other. And we will make 21, 2021 <laughs> um, um, uh, an opportunity to still we to still we persevere and as you said still we shine so all right well thanks again ryan it's been fun thanks for listening to this episode of under the bleachers under the bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of team dc for more information about team dc please visit www.teamdc.org we want to give credit to Ralph Elston, a Team DC board member, for the design of our logo. Also, our intro and outro music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com, and our podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend so that we can all keep meeting Under the Bleachers.
Out of the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC Vice President Laura Freyer and Team DC Board Member for Fundraising Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts and the participants on Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.